Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two first-year physical therapy students sharing our grad school experiences to help PT students around the world. Embark on this journey with us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physiomemes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude, everybody. Today, we have Nanami on the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on, Nanami. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Oh, of course. I'm excited. And this is, oh my gosh, this is the first time we're interviewing a classmate, right, Gabby? We haven't interviewed any of your classmates yet. You should be honored. <laughs> oh, yay. I'm excited. <laughs> no pressure. You're good. <laughs> okay. So, Nanami, can you tell people a little bit about just how you got into PT in the first place? Yeah. So, it all started my junior year of high school. We actually had a class. I mean, I don't remember what it was, but we had an opportunity to observe like professions and see what we wanted to do as a career. And I actually observed like there's a hospital like five minutes away from my house so I actually started out with like serving the emergency medicine physician and I didn't really like it and the physician like I observed didn't like what he was doing as well so it didn't like help at all but they also introduced me to like physical therapy and I was like oh like I like working with athletes and I think this might be a cool like profession to look into well it turns out it was inpatient So my first experience in physical therapy was in a hospital like rehab setting and it put me in a different perspective because I was working with like observing geriatric populations. And so I actually ended up loving it to the point where I like volunteered and then I was pretty much being like an aide um, voluntarily in high school. So since then I wanted to be a PT and I got into um, undergrad at University of Pittsburgh or Pitt. And I did a lot of observations in some outpatient settings. Most of my background is like inpatient. So I did almost like three years of inpatient experience as a rehab aide at one of the big name hospitals down in the city. And that's pretty much where it like became. So Yeah, and here you are now. Second yeah, year. Yeah, second year. Yeah, second year PT student with Sarah <laughs> at Slippery Rock. So <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> It's been an adventure for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So if you want to tell everybody kind of your journey, I know you said you are originally from Japan, correct? Yeah, I am from Japan. I I guess like technically I'm an immigrant of Japan. I have my citizenship there. I'm a permanent U.S. permanent resident. So what that is, is I get to work and live in the U.S. legally and I actually have to renew uh, the application every 10 years, and it's coming up actually this next year. So how far do you want me to go into my journey? <laughs> how far? <laughs> as much as you want to, yeah. <laughs> so actually, like, I moved here when I was one years old, 
my dad had a better opportunity for his job. So he came and part of his company like was the adjunct, I guess, was in a small little town where I live now um, in western, uh, northwestern Pennsylvania. So I grew up going to school here. Don't know how I learned English because I was so young, like when I learned it. But my like in the house, like I would speak Japanese. So I didn't have a lot of exposure probably like of English until like I was in preschool maybe or kindergarten and so I was pretty much throughout my whole like elementary like high school career I was doing a program called English as a Second Language um, which is also called like ESL for short and I was in the program so I would get pulled aside every so often um, by a ESL teacher and I would like get additional help and learn English that way and I also went to a Japanese school in Pittsburgh, which is an hour and a half away from where I live. So it was a haul from like my parents, like thank goodness that they did that for me. So I, it was once a week. So I called it American school, but so I would go to school for five days. And then on Sunday, I would go to a Japanese school and I would have homework on top of everything. So I was a really busy child <laughs> like growing up. So and to this day, like as much as I hated it when I did that growing up, I am thankful I did that. I can speak um, and read, write Japanese fluently. So it's been an interesting uh, journey. <laughs> that is really cool. And I think that will really be beneficial like after you graduate and you're practicing because if you have a patient who their primary language is Japanese, you'll be able mm-hmm. to you'll be able to translate and and do that. Yeah, I think it's also helped me a little bit like with my like rehab aid experience just having cultural competence is I mean it's something that's like really uncomfortable to talk about but I think that's something that we need to bring up like as a profession now that we're going moving towards like diversity and being able to understand other cultures so it has helped me a lot in that point too. And for the people listening who are like maybe not in PT school yet or haven't had cultural competency like we don't have a class for that Gabby you do have a class for that but a lot of schools don't have a class for it yet and so can you just explain kind of what that means and how it has helped you in any detail you want to share in your experience yeah so cultural competency like this is like a general hopefully like I'm right but it's more like being understanding of someone's like ethnicity, race, their background, religious. And it's not only just that, it can be also like socioeconomic status and just where they like came from and kind of incorporating that into your like practice or just um, experience in general. A couple of my experiences. So it was really interesting. So like in undergrad, my sophomore year, this is a little unrelated from PT, but it's like still like healthcare. So I was just like in a toxic environment at that point and I like needed a little bit of help um, and then I was like looking for like counselors in like the Pittsburgh area and I found a, like when I was searching there was a counselor who like specialized and she put her specialty and it was it was saying that well so it said like understanding of like culture or like cultural consideration I think that's what it said and I thought that was interesting because not a lot of other therapists had that like listed so she was like very understanding of like my background and I was kind of taken aback by that but I was like really appreciative of like how she kind of approached like the sessions so that's one experience that I had that I was more cognizant of it and then I was like wow I wish like I could 
be there for patients in the future, like kind of like what she did for me. And another one that like a patient experience is so I back in Pittsburgh when I like worked as a rehab aide, there was a patient who was Chinese and he was on a neuro floor. I don't remember what the diagnosis was or why he was in the hospital, but he was, I guess, agitated and no one wanted to like understand. He only spoke Chinese and a lot of uh, professions kind of deferred him saying that he was just aggressive and he wasn't like cooperative. But one day, like my, uh, the PT and I went in the patient's room he had a family member in there, um, and then she was able to kind of interpret um, for the patient. And then she was saying that, oh, like, and then people were saying that he's unable to walk or do anything. So we were kind of like going in blind. And the um, family member was explaining how like, oh, he can do Tai Chi. And then he was like, she was telling like the patient like, okay, this is like PT, like, let's get up and like try something. And um, the PT was really understanding. And then all of a sudden he starts doing Tai Chi. Um, we're like, wow, he is like really coordinated. I think he's doing really well. <laughs> so that was just like a funny story and like being like more understanding of others, I guess. No, that's really cool. He just got <laughs> up and did Tai Chi. Yeah. I'm just imagining yeah, he it right walked now. And then, yeah, I know, it was interesting. <laughs> like, wow. That is so cool though. And you're right, just being aware and cognizant of it is so important, especially especially us and learning about this as students, because I feel like all programs should have a class on cultural Mm -hmm. competency. And I know in my class, we talked a lot about that implicit biases and, Mm -hmm. and making sure like, we talked about it heavily in my class, it was related in relationship to our pro bono clinic, but Mm -hmm. it really is so important, so important to amend just being able to have that in consideration and be aware and know and be professional, like an understanding of the patient in front of you and whatever religion they, religion, like ethnicity, you know, things like that. Yeah, I agree. And how has that kind of shaped you now in PT school? I don't know how to phrase my question, but (laughs) how has it shaped you? I guess is the real question. Like, do you feel like different or how do you feel in grad school? Well, I guess going back, um, like growing up, I all I just wanted to do was like assimilate with everyone right. else. Like I grew up in like a predominantly Caucasian like community. So like I just like kind of suppressed like my culture and like I didn't really open up to a lot of people about it. And then that pretty much extended to like up until college. And then now I realize like I should be like, I mean, part of like, being advocate, advocating this, like, idea, um, so, like, I've definitely opened up a lot, I guess, like, as, like, going into grad school, so I guess that's, like, some way I've changed as well. Yeah, I think that's really cool, and for all of the other things you do in grad school, <laughs> which is a lot for those who don't a lot know, of so do you want to just share, like, start naming the couple of different things that you've been up to since you started PT school? Yeah, so starting PT school, I continued with my rehab aid job at like back in like the city. Um, Unfortunately, I had to transfer this year because of like commute issues. So I've been doing that. And then I also am part of the pro bono um, clinic. I am an executive board. I'm a secretary. 
And then I also do research with one of my anatomy professors. He does nothing PT related, but it was research on like little baby monkeys and lemurs. And I also do research with another professor that's PT related. And I'm at an assisted living facility. We're figuring out if pedometers like work as a motivating factor to get um like the residents in the Sicilian facility to like get more like steps in and working and like exercising a little more so I probably do something else but <laughs> those I just, are all I just like being involved <laughs> yeah. you're a GA position yeah I do have a GA position thanks sir <laughs> Oh my gosh, Gabby's no. face. No, I know. you can I'm see it like, right now. Ah. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, it's great because it really, it really keeps you like, I don't want to say it keeps you busy, but <laughs> it's good because you enjoy doing these things. And yeah. what has that, what is one thing that you may have, may have struggled with like this past semester or really this year? with keeping on top of everything and if there was a moment when you're like oh my gosh I don't know if I can do all of this yeah I mean there definitely has been points like where I was like wow this is um overwhelming and I have to like keep up with my grades which like hasn't really been an issue I really like kind of stepped back like I don't always have to get A's I don't have to like get like a 4-0 or anything so I've like appreciated experience more so that like helps me like uh, push like kind of like what I do I don't know if I'm saying this right but no yeah and then like That's how good. have you managed all your time so how yeah. many hours a week do you do all of the things if you can kind of split it up for the people listening who think oh yes I do want to be on the e-board for my pro bono clinic or I do yeah. want to have a GA position like can they do everything and how do you do it so it's also like a personality thing like I've been busy like through all my life so I like time management has been a big thing. Like I can't study for like 10 hours a day. I need to like break it up with like other things that like are important to me. And for me, I think being busy, like if something means a lot to you, like you will make time for it. And also that also means like, you'll like reevaluate like what is important to you and what needs like to be taken priority versus whatnot. I don't know, it has helped me a lot. I would say um depend well like for my rehab age job I only work like 16 hours a month so I just do like two shifts a month and so depends um so I would say like 10 hours to 15 hours I would put in a week with all like the extracurriculars okay so on top of class it's the equivalent of a full-time job not including studying yeah just to put that into perspective for people who do want to do all the things and we hope that you guys feel like you have those options to do the thing to bring people on who are doing all the things as well because it is possible but of course nobody has to do any of it it's right you're <laughs> wanting to do and anami is obviously very motivated and likes to do <laughs> things so we understand that <laughs> and can appreciate that so I always like thought like to think like I wanted to do something like clinical, um, ac like academic and like research related because eventually like my goal in the future is like I do want to incorporate like my Japanese like background 
So I would like to do presentations like at like physiotherapy conferences, like internationally or like here um, in the US. So I'm like trying to get all that in to be able to like confidently do whatever I want to do in the future. So that's just like my vision, I guess. Yeah, that is so great to do. And to be able to travel into conferences and present like that in itself is really awesome. And so looking after physical therapy school, what setting, if you know, um, do you want to do or what is your plan for after graduation? I'm interested in, so far, uh, rehab. I do like the neuro stuff. And I also do like the geriatric population. So it could go either way, depending on like how my clinicals go with my third year. So we'll see. Keeping an open mind. I like it. Yeah, definitely. And to pivot just a little bit, because we kind of skimmed over it. Do you have any speaking or presentation things that you're working on that you want to share right now? Sure. I'm actually, so one, I actually submitted this abstract. It's for anatomy conference and it is in San Diego. We're hoping to go in, I think it's in April. So a few of our classmates are going together for that. And that's like for like the monkey research. And then another conference is I'm looking for like, so I just submitted another one this past week. We'll see if I get approved or not, but it's a pro bono conference in uh, Philadelphia in March. So I'm hoping to do both of them to get some presentation experiences. Oh my gosh. I love those. And actually going off of the pro bono clinic conference, how has that experience being in the pro bono clinic really like helped you in PT school thus far? Because your clinic is open, right? It is open. Yeah. Uh, We haven't had a lot of patients yet. I mean, we live in like a smaller area and difficult it's difficult to get patients but we've been like cycling through we cycled through two patients at least this semester one was like musculoskeletal and one was neuro related and it gives you I think a different perspective it's hard to just sit in a classroom and learn about all that stuff and then you come into like the pro bono clinic and you realize that nothing's all textbook and being able to interact with the patients that you may or may not see like in later I think it's like a good opportunity to like learn and I'm also a hands-on learner and like visual learner so it helps me a lot too absolutely it's it can get very boring in the classroom let's be honest and <laughs> so pro bono clinic is a great way to get yourself into the clinic and actually practicing what you're learning even though mm-hmm. it's absolutely not by the textbook which is <laughs> a whole learning experience, but I think it prepares you greatly for clinicals. And mm-hmm. just to differentiate here, because Gabby's idea of a pro bono clinic is your amazing pro bono clinic, Gabby. Full-time <laughs> pro bono clinic with like working 40 hours a week with full-time faculty. Like this is not how our pro bono clinic is set up. Right. So can you kind of explain how ours is set up and kind of the origins of it since you're on the inside? Yeah. So from what I know, um, it started a couple years ago, like the process of getting into like pro bono. Ours is a student run, so it's not based off of the curriculum. So it's all student run and vo- like volunteer based. And we actually opened this past, I want to say February. So what we have is we only have the clinic open once a week 
and for about two hours or so. So we may have like one patient per hour or two per hour or two a day. It depends on how the schedule works and how the patient's schedule work. And I lost the train of thought. <laughs> You're good. And so we have who is in the room, like when the patient comes in, like who is in there with them? Okay, so we have one student supervising SPT almost, just kind of like see, overseeing the clinic. We also have one licensed uh, PT uh, in the clinic. And then the patient has two second year SPTs and one first year SPT on site. And then this year we um, kind of incorporated the third years actually by using telehealth and kind of getting their knowledge and insight because as second years, we don't really have the knowledge, the full like didactic knowledge of like MSK and neuro and being able to do an eval fully yet. So it was an interesting like transition that we implemented this year. Yeah, that's really cool. And I love how you incorporate all of the classes too. I think that's really great, even if you are a first year and this is your first exposure and you don't know much right. or with you guys with, you know, not getting all of MSK yet and being able to do that. So I really like that. And I'm so glad you guys have a pro bono clinic student run mm -hmm. and just knowing how much you can make a difference in patients' lives and knowing that you've been through that. And, and I like, this is, this was my second semester in our pro bono in my program's pro bono clinic. And it just makes you realize like you can help these patients so much and yeah. it's just, it's so rewarding. It really is. <laughs> what is your pro bono clinic like? Yeah. So our pro bono clinic, it is um, 40 hours a week. So it's full time. We have one full time physical therapist there. And then during our second year, so starting in the summer, that is when we start this, we start our pro bono clinic. So it's once a week and we are in groups uh, of three to four with a supervising physical therapist. And so we treat patients of, you know, it depends on, it honestly depends on the PT. So for example, mm -hmm. my summer semester, it was all MSK, okay. um, you know, related conditions. And then for this past, well, really this semester, it was more neuro-based. And we do three semesters in the pro bono clinic with a wow. community outreach class. So it's clinic plus class on top of it, which is really awesome. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's actually really cool. And it's, I think it's only been open for a little over a year now. So it's okay. pretty new as well. That's new. That's cool because like your program is also very new. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We so are. Very cool. We are. Yeah. No, it's really good. So highly recommend if your program has a pro bono clinic, definitely get involved. It is an amazing experience. And if your program doesn't have a pro bono clinic, I know we've talked about this on previous episodes, but get in contact with one of your, one of your professors or, you know, see if there's other students who want to come together. I don't know how that process is on the back end, but I know like someone on faculty has there's a to whole network. You know. Yeah. There's a yeah. network that you can get mm -hmm. involved with and then you guys can kind of work from there. It's not as hard mm -hmm. as you might think to start a pro bono clinic, especially if your school doesn't have one. It's only, only a 
better asset. You know, there's no cons to having one. Yeah, and I hear that, like, we also contacted, there's, like, a university close by that already has an open pro bono clinic. So, like, getting contact with other universities close by works, too. Also, even at the pro bono conference, there's a section that uh, has a lot of presentations on how to start a pro bono clinic or like the works or the beginnings of like pro bono clinics and that was very insightful um, and there was like one uh, presenter I remember last year they said like they went to the pro bono conference got so excited they like started a clinic like that following year with their program so it's really exciting to hear all that stuff <laughs> yeah absolutely and for people listening who do want to get into research, let's just kind of delve into that. We're going to pivot a little bit here. So how did you get started with your research, like your first research? And how would you recommend students get into that if they're interested? Um, my first research experience was in when I was at Pitt. I mean, it's a big R1, like top tier, like research school. So it's hard when you go to like a small school like Slippery Rock, we don't, they don't really focus really big on research, so it might be hard, but I just got interested in a topic. I reached out to a professor and they did like something that I was interested in. So they're really open-minded too. So then they would always like help. So I'm losing thought again. <laughs> you're good, you're good. So what about, in PT school, so like did the professors reach out to you guys or like was it advertised very much? Like how did that kind of work? So for, well, at least at Slippery Rock, I I think we got an email from like our professor that I'm doing research for and he was like looking for research assistance and he's like, if you're interested, um, just come talk to me. And I uh, talked to him and I just wanted to hear about the experience. Um, I was sad that it wasn't PT related, but I think it was good because um, he kind of described like you'll get to write an abstract you'll get to see the process of writing a paper data like collection and everything so being able to have that experience like i guess on like paper it looks good and also if like if, if i ever want to do research in the future like i have that like process like down pat so it was good and then for my other research project i just kind of like went to a professor <laughs> and like talked to them saying that like hey i'm interested in doing this like is it okay? Like, can you be my advisor? Like stuff like that. So it's really good to be proactive just if you're really interested in research. And if you're not like talking to a professor about research might like interest you as well. So I guess that's like the process. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the first step is always the hardest. And if you guys ever want to reach out to people who have done this before. That's why we have people on podcasts who just have done research before, like they've gone through this process. Um, mm -hmm. So you guys can get connected to those people and ask whatever questions. Yeah. What piece of advice would you give for PT students currently or uh, students are about to start? What kind of advice would you give? I think definitely be intentional with what you want to do like know your why, like why are you doing this? Like why are you getting into the profession? It helps a lot, like looking back, especially like, oh my gosh, first year like was difficult. <laughs> it was a grind for sure. I mean, I feel like a lot of classmates, I overheard them saying like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this profession. This is really difficult. I don't know if I'm here. It, like 
kind of made me sad too because like looking back like when we were all applying like we wanted this so badly and like thinking back to like would you ever like say that like when you were like a pre-pt whatnot no you wouldn't say that like you got into the profession and the school for a reason like you're you're like I don't know you're already here and it does like help like why you got into the profession like knowing that like helps you kind of like track back and be like okay I'm doing this for a reason and this is why it helps. <laughs> yeah, definitely knowing your why and being intentional. Those two are so important, <laughs> especially we all know those times when you you don't feel like studying anymore or you're just over it. And we do have, we do have those moments. They, mm-hmm. they don't last long, but we do have those moments. So just always go back to your why and, and really like dig deep of, okay, this is, this is my why and this is why I'm here and I'm here for a reason and I belong here. That's the biggest thing is telling yourself that you belong in the program that you do and they chose you for a reason. Yeah, definitely. And then it also like goes into the profession too. Like we're all going to feel burnout at some point. Like I've experienced like working with PTs, like so back in the city, like when I worked as a rehab aide, I did, there was a quite a big like oncology unit so, I mean, it was a difficult, like, population to work with. I've, sat, I've seen, like, PTs, like, like feeling their lowest points. And then, so, like, even those times, like, if you think back to your why, I think it will, like, help a little bit, I would say. Yeah, that's amazing advice for students and PTs, if any PTs are out there listening <laughs> here. But it, like, I'm not there yet, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if any students wanted to reach out to you and have any questions, where would be the best place for them to reach out to? They can email me or message me on Facebook, Nanami Mano. You can, it's not an easy spelling, so we'll you can put just it down below. Put it down. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Nanami. It was yeah, a pleasure thank having you, you on, me. finally. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I know the we first class for like a year. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for like the a first year. classmate. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, it was so good to talk to you, and thank you so much again. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.